0: Scouting out of the blue corner, he gives you your football meat and potatoes style, and is the undisputed king of detailed player analysis. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Steve. Hey guys, this is Steve the Scout. I am the voice of the Pro Football Scouting Podcast. Welcome to Bold Takeaways Week 14. Brought to you by the writers at Pickskin Pick Nut For those that are crazy about football, as well as myself, Steve the Scout. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at stevethescout81 or the Pro Football Scouting Podcast on Facebook. PickskinNut.com is going to be the main news website for our brand. Uh, that is up and running right now, but still, it is still... In construction, my mission, our mission for this as as one of the pigskin nut, pigskin nut writers is to make this one of the most mainstream sources of football information you get, where you get individual coverage on all 32 NFL teams, not just a news alert for, hey, you know, what was the Giants score? What was the Jets score? But actually, individual blogs and individual writers Focusing on 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 all thirty two NFL teams, as well as writers that focus specifically on fantasy football, uh, as well as every major college football conference, pro and college player scouting reports, as well as scouting reports, as well as NFL news and analysis from around the league. So uh, excited about that! Uh, but without any further ado, let's get into what the bold takeaways are uh, for Week Fourteen. But the first thing I want to do is talk about um, the takeaways that we have that are league wide. So for the league-wide takeaways, it's going to be myself, Frank Torchia, uh, Garrett, Garrett Rudell, and Ken Cunningham. So starting things out with Ken Cunningham, Ken, my man, longtime listener who is now a writer. So uh, really cool to see that we still get to continue this journey together, Ken. But Ken, um, you had said that right now the top four teams in the NFC are a little bit interesting. Uh, I'll agree with that because you know they're they're giving you something different each week, so you're not really sure. What to expect in the playoffs, but Ken went on to say that right now the number one and number two seeds uh, are juggernauts, uh, and the three and four seeds being the Bears and the Cowboys, they're defensive juggernauts. Uh, I'm sorry, so if you go back, he said the Rams and the Saints are number one and number two; those are the offensive juggernauts. But the defensive juggernauts are three and four, Bears and Cowboys. Very true. He says he says you know when you when you go back and and look at these teams playing each other, he said, look. Um, you, you look at, and I'm sure he's referring to the to the, you know, the Bears playing the Rams last night uh, as well as as well as the Saints, um, the Saints taking on the Cowboys. Um, but look, he says the Saints in the Cowboys game and the Bears in the Ram game showed that the, that the defensive juggernauts prevailed, but they were both playing at home. Ken says it's going to be interesting to see. Who prevails in the postseason? Because the difference in the postseason is that the offensive juggernaut is going to get the home field advantage. Ken Ken feels that uh, he Ken feels that at the end of the day, the offenses are going to be the one to win those games in the playoff because they have the home field advantage. So really, um, his takeaway was that um, you're not really sure what you're getting with these top four teams they are a bit interesting in terms of the way they faced off. And it's also a little harder to predict um, what's going to happen, um, what's going to happen in the playoffs based on what we've seen in the regular season. Frank Torchia, who writes for the Blue Crew, uh, Ken Cunningham, by the way, writes, writes for um, the Big D beatdown, which is our Dallas Cowboys blog. Frank Torchia is up next. Uh, uh frank actually writes for the blue crew which is our new york giants web page frank goes on to say and he gives a, a week a, a league-wide analysis frank goes on to say that the afc playoff picture is wide open outside of the top two seeds and his bold takeaways are that number one like i just said the afc playoff picture is wide open but also his other bold takeaway is that we could see three teams from one division the afc north Make make the playoffs this year. How did you break that down? Frank goes on to say, "Look, this the, the playoff picture in the AFC is wide open. Pittsburgh, uh, I'm sorry, New England and KC um, that they, they got the top two seeds right now. It's probably gonna stay that way. But when you look at what's happened, uh, Pittsburgh lost to Oakland to open up to um, to open things up in the division. That opens things up for Cleveland, who won yesterday. Uh, Tennessee's Tennessee won, Miami won, Indianapolis won." Baltimore and the Browns won, and and some of these teams are in the are in the AFC North, and they're all AFC teams. But he feels that these teams won yesterday, but they can also win out based on their based on their remaining schedule. Uh, the Browns can win out, he says, because they face the Broncos and the Ravens on the road, and the Bengals at home. Uh, the Ravens won, I think Frank might be a little bit tough, just interjecting there. But their their remain their remaining opponents. Um, speaking speaking of the Browns, ha- have a winning percentage of point. 461 very good math there frank i like it um second lowest behind miami's remaining schedule um so in other words he's saying that cleveland and miami are both going to have easy schedules down the road the colts the colts and the baltimore ravens have the hardest schedule de- down the road um with with their remaining opponents having having a winning percentage of .512, basically saying it's all wide open. He's saying that Pittsburgh um, can easily easily lose their, their division lead, and if they do, they're still going to probably be a playoff team. Uh, but Pittsburgh, they're playing at home against the Patriots and on the road against New Orleans, furthering Frank's point that this AFC North is wide open. Uh, he goes on to say that the Steelers, tying with the Browns in Week 1, could be the only thing keeping them in the in the division lead or or the playoffs, referring to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, his other his other bold takeaway, and I think this is something we know, is that look, the Amari Cooper trade was a good deal. It's done a world of good for Dallas. It's opened up the door for an extension for Jason Garrett, uh, which is which he doesn't feel is 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 a benefit for the team. He feels that Jason Garrett shouldn't have his job, and he really saved it um, in the Amari Cooper trade. Um, And while their offense um, has taken off with the Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper connection, Frank still feels that Amari Cooper is nothing more than a Band-Aid for Dak Prescott. Because look, Jerry Jones talked about extending Dak Prescott before, uh, before the Amari Cooper trade, he's definitely going to extend him now with, with Jason Garrett. So, Frank, you might be right. They may be totally put, putting, putting a band-aid on that. Frank goes on to say that, that Dak Prescott cannot make all the throws, and still, even with Amari Cooper, struggles a lot with deep ball accuracy. Gat Riddell backs up that claim in a way or adds to it by saying that he believes the Cleveland Browns are going, are going to win that division based on their play and their strength of schedule. And now my, my bold takeaways around the league. Here's one of my takeaways is that there are way too many defenses in the NFL right now that are one trick ponies. You look you look at you look at all you look at all these teams that have dominant pass rushers, but have a lot of missing elements on their defense, thus having really incomplete defenses and winning less football games. Who are these teams? I'll tell you. The Houston Texans. They have JJ Watt and Janavian Clowney rushing the passer from both sides. But because of weaknesses in their secondary at the cornerback position, uh, not not having a weakness uh, at at coverage linebackers and run-stopping linebackers, their defense is a one-trick pony. You look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, they got Bud Dupree and TJ Watt rushing from both sides. Two very good pass rushers, but weaknesses again in the secondary and and in run-stopping linebackers is hurting their defense. The Denver Broncos, they got Bradley Chubb and Von Miller rushing the pass, rushing the passer, but they can't cover tight ends to save their life. That has been an issue the whole year. Kansas City Chiefs, same thing. D4, Justin Houston can rush the passer, but you got weaknesses in the secondary and it runs stopping linebackers. The Los Angeles Chargers, they got Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram, but they they need to get a good middle linebacker in there. The, the Los Angeles Rams, same thing. Los Angeles Rams their linebackers are designed for pass coverage. They can they can get after the passer from the interior part, but they're still missing that edge rush presence even with Dante Fowler there. Uh and and they certainly need more help at the safety position. But you look at you look at a team um you look at a team like the Chicago Bears, they have everything. They have guys that can rush the passer. They have guys that can push the pocket from the from the interior. They have a run-stopping middle linebacker who's emerging by the name of Roquan Smith. They have playmakers and 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 great players all over their secondary. The Bears are the most complete defense in the NFL, and that's allowing them to win football games while these other teams, they, they, they got they got pass rush, but they're missing other elements. And my takeaway is that too many teams are, are, are one-trick ponies with their defenses this year. My other takeaway is that coaching changes are continuing to revive struggling teams. You look at Cleveland, you look at Green Bay. Both teams have both teams had talent. Both teams are playing better after the coach. And my other bold takeaway is that Saquon Barkley is the best running back in the in the game already. When I give you my bold takeaway from from the New York Giants Redskins, I'll tell you why he is already the best running back running back in the in the game. And another takeaway, last one, is that all the great teams are showing you their struggles. Uh, you, you look at the Rams, you look at the Bears, I mean, the Patriots, I mean, Chiefs, everyone. You can see all these teams ha- ha- have issues. Um, so it's making it really hard to predict in a complete toss-up who's going to make the Super Bowl. But those are my bold takeaways from this week. Let's get down to the individual games up next. First up, the Patriots and the Jets, bold takeaway from that. We have Jay McAfee, uh, who, who writes for the Gillette Gazette. On pigskinnut.com, and Jay had a nice takeaway here. He says that the Patriots' run defense will be their fatal flaw in the playoffs. He said, in in the Patriots' last two games alone, their their opponents have run for 95 yards on 13 carries. Uh, that 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 was last week, and this week, 189 yards and 21 carries, giving up over eight yards a carry the let the last the last two weeks. So. For their opponents, the Miami Dolphins. My my bold takeaway is that the Dolphins are a tough team, and they know how to win games with minimal talent on the field. You you look you look at the way they have they've, they've won games all this year. They have truly overachieved with the roster they've put out on the field. Uh, they were competitively tough, uh, you know, and and you know that goes back to the to the to the players, but also guys to go back to the coach. They kept this game close the entire the entire game. They kept fighting. Um, and and my other takeaway is that, look, you know, I saw more of Minka Fitzpatrick yesterday. I clearly think, and like I said, from from the beginning, Minka Fitzpatrick is going to be a great safety in this league, but I think Derwin James was a better of those two in the draft. And I think he's starting to prove it this year. My takeaway when I'm looking at the Falcons taking on Green Bay is that the Packers can still be a threat in the NFC next year with an added pass rusher and a, and a new coach. They have plenty of talent on offense. Aaron Jones um, has shown that he can be an every down running back. And I think I think Atlanta as well. I think Atlanta, they can compete next year with some pass rush help a hel- and, a, and a healthy Deion Jones all year. Um, coverage linebackers—that's that's been that's been their issue. They've been missing Deion Jones. It's helped a lot that he's been back in the mix. But they still got still got to get after the quarterback. Vic Pe- Vic Beasley, great explosiveness, great strength, great great athleticism. But when you want to look at length uh, and just you know pass rush moves, um, he has. He's having having a tough time. I don't think that he he is the guy that they wanted him to be, but he could still be a good player in this league. And for me, another takeaway is that I really feel Matt Ryan did not see the field yesterday as well as as usual. Um, Packers, they've shown that they still still have a a dynamic offense. Another takeaway from this game is that there are so many good defensive tackles in, in the NFL right now that we've almost stopped giving them attention. Kenny Clark of Green Bay, Grady Jarrett of Atlanta, Push the pocket all afternoon. Moving, moving on to another game featuring two two NFC South teams. We just talked about Atlanta, uh, but now we're moving on to New Orleans taking on Green Bay. I'm uh, taking on Tampa Bay. Uh, takeaway is that Drew Brees is definitely in a cold streak right now. Look, um, I said it was way too soon, and it was way too soon to to suspect that maybe anything could be wrong after one game. But. Um, you know i'm not going to say it, it was entirely breeze but just they, they just, he just they just looked out of sync as a passing offense in that first half second half they picked it up so you got to see you know the, the you know you're going to it's a good thing to see is drew breeze how is he going to perform next week because he came back in the second half but that offense looked flat in the first half like they did last week against dallas um i think when you look at tampa bay a bold takeaway is that their pass rush can be good. Um they showed yesterday they can they can get after the quarterback, but um they did it. They did they did it early in the game. But I think one of their one of the things that's gonna hurt them going forward is not having not having really good cornerbacks because in in this league, you can generate a lot this league is is not about just rushing the passer, but it's also covering covering the wide receivers so these guys can get coverage sacks. They made it hard for Tampa Bay to do, to do that yesterday. Uh I think also Tampa Bay really has to look at bulking up the offensive line on the right side of it. They struggled there yesterday. Jacksonville and Tennessee, uh you know that game uh, and by the way just just in case you guys didn't know, the Patriots lost to the Dolphins yesterday on and we all know that, about that miracle play in Miami. Uh one of one of the craziest uh maybe the craziest last play we've seen in a regular season game in the history of the NFL. They went they 69-70 went yards, um, tossing the ball back and forth to each other. Um, you know, it's with, I mean, just just un- unbelievable. My jaw dropped when I saw that. Atlanta, uh, they, they lost to Green Bay yesterday. New Orleans came back to beat Tampa Bay. Um, Jacksonville and Tennessee, uh, that game was earlier in the week on Thursday Night Football. Tennessee won that one handily. My takeaway is that Doug Marone, he needs to go. Uh, The team has, you know, you have to fire the coach when the team quits on you. That, to me, is a no-brainer. The team quit on him this year, and everyone on that team is underachieving, uh, particularly, you know, the defense. The offense, you didn't expect too much out of them. Uh, I think we all knew who Blake Bortles was, uh, but when you look at Leonard Fournette, despite having the injuries, he's he's not played well this year. That defense... Um, they have way too much talent on that defense, despite the fact that that their defense has been unmotivated. Um, they've been tired from being on the field too much. I still feel like I would have expected a better quality of football from them uh, th- than, I've, than I've seen this year. Uh, I think another takeaway is that the Titans are getting hot at the right time because they struggled running the football all year long. But if Derrick Henry can continue to excel and the Titans with the defensive flashes that that defense has shown they can make headways in the playoffs not, not only just get into the playoffs but they can actually win in the playoffs. So, I think a lot of that is going to rest on Derrick Henry and Marcus Mariota. Those are two guys that are both playing better football right now. You got to hope that that help that helps them helps them down the road. Um another takeaway, I'm just going to go back quickly to the Patriots Dolphins game because I missed a takeaway I had in there and, and that is that Ryan Tannehill's injuries have really stopped him from progressing in his ability to read defenses. He struggled with that yesterday. I still think, you know, if he's healthy and can if he's healthy, he can be a good quarterback in this league. He's shown it. The question is, can he stay healthy and put it together for a for a full season? I think his I think his his missing time in the field has really hurt his progression in terms of his ability to read defenses. Um so, next game. Next game. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about was was the Giants taking taking on the Redskins. My my takeaway from this is that Saquon Barkley is now the best running back in the game, and I'm going to tell you why in a second. He is clearly the best receiver of the three elite, what I call one A running backs in the game. I believe there are three one A running backs. There's one A running backs and there's one B running backs. My one A running backs are Saquon, Zeke. Todd Gurley, my one B running backs would be like Kareem Hunt. Well, maybe not now, uh, but but you know Alvin Alvin Kamara, um, you know got guy guys that are elite. But there's just still a few guys that are that, that offer a little bit more than they do. Um, but when you look when you look at those guys, I say Saqu- Saquon Zeke and Gurley are the three best backs in the game right now. But let's compare them. Who who has the best natural Who has the best natural ability when it comes to strength and power? Uh, and I don't want to say natural ability because that's something that you do build. But Saquon, he is the most powerful of all those guys. Who's got the best cutting ability, Saquon Barkley? Who's got the most power, Saquon Barkley? Who who is the best home run threat of all those guys with the best breakaway speed, Saquon Barkley? Who's been the best receiving back this year, Saquon Barkley? Who's averaging who's averaging who's averaging the most yards per carry of those guys? Uh, Saquon Barkley is averaging 5.4 yards per carry while while Zeke and Todd are both are both under five yards a carry with a much better offensive line than the New York Giants. You can't tell me that the Cowboys and the Rams, um, have worse off, don't have better offensive lines than the Giants. By year's end, Saquon Barkley is going to be the league leader in yards from scrimmage. Uh, and right now he's 60 yards away from being the league leader in that category. Um, when when you when you look when you want to look at some more stuff, Saquon Saquon has again Saquon's done it with a far worse offensive line. He's had um, when you look at how many carries Saquon has had, Saquon has had far less carries than these guys. He's got forty less carries than Todd Gurley. He's got sixty less carries than Ezekiel Elliott. But when you want to look at how many runs they had of twenty yards or more, Saquon leads the NFL. With 14 runs of 20 yards or more, while Gurley and Zeke only have 10, with more carries and and a, and a better and a better offensive line, and I think also when you look at the tape and look at the ability, it's indisputable. Saquon Barkley is the best running back right now in the game. The reason why I put Todd Gurley ahead of him earlier in the year is because Saquon, what you know, when when you look when you look at Saquon, his initial vision on the first level, um, he was he was not being decisive. He was dancing around too much, trying to make too much happen. Now he now he just hits the hole and he's fine. But I think when you look at all those things considered and that overwhelming amount of proof that I just gave, Saquon's the best running back in the game. My my other takeaway is that Mark Sanchez. His time, his time has passed. This was really his last opportunity to have to, to have a shot. But even now, it's going to be hard for him to get a backup job uh, you know, after yesterday's performance. Uh, you, look at, you look at the next game. Uh, next game. So moving on f- from the Giants and the Redskins, Giants rout- routed that game. And look, and another takeaway before I go on is. Is their offensive line's playing a lot better ever since they added Jamon Brown? Um, it's it's been it's it's been a it's been a lot better. They still need to add. They still need to add to that offensive line. And I think although Eli Manning played played good football and he's been playing good football lately, they still need to look at drafting a quarterback. Only if, only if the right one is available. You a quarterback is a position you do not want to draft one just to say you have one. Okay, the Browns at the Panthers. My takeaway from this game, uh, and Jared Brown, I know you're going to probably agree with me on this because we talked about this, but Baker Mayfield is a far better thrower of the football than Cam Newton, not not just now, but at any point in Cam Newton's career. Um, you you look at Baker Mayfield, um, I said he was going to be the best rookie quarterback, and I told you so. Uh, you look you look at the way that you look at his tape in college. The way, the way he picked apart defenses, he'd, he'd throw over the linebacker, underneath the safety, went against top college defenses, and the way I saw him do it, and the way he handled himself, and the poise that he had, and the accuracy that he had, I, I had a strong feeling that he was going to be, without question, the best quarterback of these rookies. And, and so, far, so, far, so far he's proven that. He throws a deep ball like Drew Brees. Baker, I believe, can be as good as Russell Wilson. Colin Coward, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know how to scout the game. Uh, I, I disagree with you to say that Baker Mayfield can't be anything Can't be anything close to Russell Wilson. Now, Cam Newton, uh, another takeaway is that the Panthers, Cam Newton, he is going to have to have a bounce-back year next year because this franchise, if they don't, is going to have massive issues. Cam, he has, he, he has shoulder surgery in the offseason, and his arm has been an issue this year. Accuracy—it's always been a bit of an issue, but he's been—he's been able—he's been, able, been able to deal with that effectively because he, hes had a good throwing arm, uh, and he—he he is one of the best athletes of any quarterback in the game, maybe the best overall athlete. But when you look at his velocity, it's gone down. Jared Brown—I know you talked about this—might be because of the shoulder surgery, but we—but that's why I say we really got to pay attention to see what Cam looks like next year. The accuracy—it's always been—it's always been an issue to me. Um, so Browns, Browns, Browns won, Panthers lost, Panthers continue to lose critical games. Uh, and 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 they continue to have trouble closing out games. That has been a theme that has been not slowing down for the Carolina Panthers. The Colts taking on the Texans, the Colts won that game. Uh, you guys and my bold takeaway is that Deshaun Watson, despite what you think, he is still not an elite quarterback. To me, I, I saw it again yesterday. His accuracy is holding him back from being elite. When I looked at Deshaun in college, I was not sure he would be a good NFL pro because his accuracy was was very questionable to me. That's been an issue in the NFL. Uh, Same thing with guys like Josh Allen, Cam Newton. That accuracy continues to be an issue. Uh, Another takeaway when you look at the Colts is that Andrew Luck should be in the MVP conversation the uh you know the formula you know for beating Houston Texans is really you got to pick your poison uh they they did a good job uh double teaming JJ Watt yesterday the only real threat in the pass rush game was Jadavian Clowney. but because Andrew Luck got the ball out quickly uh they they were able to slow down slow down their front seven so i think andrew luck he has got to be in this mvp conversation you put andrew you put andrew luck on a team with with elite receivers not, not saying not saying he doesn't have good guys to throw to throw the ball to, but you compare him to an offense uh like some of these other ones, uh Pittsburgh, um San Diego, he would be his stats would be ridiculous, and they already are ridiculous if he was on that. So I think, you know, the Colts not having Andrew Luck, they probably would not have won a single football game this year. Chiefs at the Ravens, um, my my takeaway from this is that Patrick Mahomes can't be slowed down. You really can't. He's the one guy in the NFL that really you have not been able that no team has really been able to slow down all year. The Patriots, they kind of slowed him down, but he still but he still put up thirty five points. And the reason why is that I think Patrick Mahomes has got to be the best, best, best thrower on the run I, I've ever seen in, in my lifetime. Uh, it does. It does not matter if you flush him out of the pocket. He's he's he still he still makes he still makes all the throws. He's reading coverages while, while he's running. Um, his mental processing while on the run, not just his throwing on the run, but his mental processing on the run is unlike anything I have ever seen before. The Ravens, they did it. They did a nice job trying to, trying to get him, flush him out of the pocket. But whether you let him sit in the pocket or you flush him out, he will he will still carve you up. Patrick Mahomes is virtually unstoppable right now. My other takeaway looking at the Ravens and still at the quarterback side of things, Lamar Jackson has a long way to go. Number one, still throws with a narrow base that's hurting his accuracy. He's got to fix that, and he struggles mightily reading coverages, and I thought I thought there there were a number of throws that he should have made yesterday that he didn't make because he just wasn't confident enough to put the ball in there. He wants everything to be perfect for him, but there were times yesterday where he had to trust his receivers and get the ball in there, and he also was not reading those coverages very well. Uh, I think same same thing, you know, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen could have the same kind of career in the NFL. Great athletes, guys, guys who can run, um, guys who are great athletes, but um, reading defenses and accuracy is going to be an issue. Broncos at the 49ers. By the way, the Chiefs won that game by three points, 27-24. Broncos at the 49ers. The 49ers took this game, uh, and the main reason why was tight end George Kittle. George Kittle had 210 yards receiving in the first half. The all-time record for receiving yards in the game by a tight end is 214 by Shannon Sharp, but he didn't have one catch in the second half. So, uh, unbelievable that. He was four yards away from that after getting two ten in the first half, not one catch in the second half. Uh, and I gotta say, Kyle Shanahan, my takeaway is that he is an offensive genius, uh, and this offense can be one of the best in the league when Jimmy Garoppolo comes back and they add more pieces. Because you look at the the way Shanahan has made this offense function in the absence uh, of Jimmy Garoppolo, not ha- not having any any elite receivers there, no elite tight ends. Um, Matt Breida, he's shown to be a good running back, but he's not elite. You, you look, you look at all this, and, and I just feel like they have really. Shanahan has really overachieved with this offense, despite what their record shows. And the Broncos, again, they're, they're another one-trick pony defense. Uh, I said earlier in the year they can't cover tight ends. It was an issue again. It was an issue again yesterday. And what I don't get is that. Um, it's not like the 49ers have all these weapons on the outside that, that they have to cover. They should have made some adjustments and found a way to stop letting Tittle, um, Kittle, I can't believe I just said Tittle on air, Kittle expose them uh, and, uh, and you know, embarrass them. All right, Move, moving on from that little weird uh, typo, uh, Jets at the Bill. So look, look, looking at this game, takeaway for the Jets, Wide receiver Robbie Anderson is improving. He went against Tredavious White, one of the best cornerbacks in the game. I've watched a lot of his tape. One of the best cornerbacks in the game, and Robbie Anderson did a good job against him. Sam Darnold is improving, but again, he still has a long way to go. The Jets will not see a franchise quarterback from Sam Darnold until year three. That's my bold takeaway for them. Why? Because he still has a lot of issues he's working with. For the Bills side of things, uh, looking at their quarterback, Josh Allen, he is essentially turning into a poor man's Cam Newton with a stronger arm. His accuracy issues can't be fixed because accuracy issues, they can be fixed if it has to do with mechanics. I just think he's not accurate. Um, his athleticism, um, and and before saying that, you go back to Josh Allen in high school, you go back in college, completion percentage has always been an issue. It hasn't been any better in the NFL, and why would it be? But Josh Allen... Uh, you could say uh, of all these rookie quarterbacks, maybe Lamar Jackson would be in that conversation. But he is probably the best overall athlete. He got he got over 100 yards rushing yesterday, uh, and he's continued to be able to put points on the board for the Bills because of his scrambling ability. But he's already had an injury. He's already had the injury bug this year bite him, and he is not going to stay healthy, continuing to continue to do this. Um, my takeaway is is that uh, unless he Miraculously fixes his accuracy, which I don't think he's going to be able to do. Because, again, accuracy is one of those things that's tough to fix. I think that Josh Allen, his career as a starter, is going to be short-lived in the NFL. Uh, Lions at the Cardinals, still focusing on quarterback play. And the Jets did win that game, by the way. But the Lions at the Cardinals, uh, the, the, Lions, the Lions won this game. Um, but the Lions, a takeaway I have is that they are starting to play better better in the trenches. Uh, on both the offensive and defensive side, their play in the trenches is getting better. Uh, with the Cardinals, Josh Rosen, uh, he has Eli Manning 2.0, and I've said it before and I'll say it again. You get you give him protection, you give him weapons, um, he's he's smart enough and can read defenses um, where he can really pick apart a defense, but his internal clock, like Eli Manning, is a bit slow. Um he he like Eli Manning, he doesn't sense pressure. Um he and he really needs an offense, but if you give him an offensive line, he could kill you a lot worse than a lot of other quarterbacks because like Eli, he can he can make maybe not he, Eli's been struggling with that a bit this year, but Eli most of his career, he can make all the throws. Josh Rosen could certainly make all the throws, but again, you know, you, you don't you don't you don't protect you don't protect Josh Rosen. He's going to have a career much like much like David Carr. And Finishing things off, I have a Monday night preview of of tonight's game, and I'm going to actually read an article written by the great Josh Davis. Josh actually writes for the Philly Nest, ACC, and covers the neutral zone. So Josh previewing this game says the Vikings are heading to the Pacific Northwest to try to hold on to that wild card spot and and keep their playoff hopes alive. Seattle, same thing going on there. Uh, Josh goes on to say that the coaching staff of the Minnesota Vikings spoke about Getting getting Dalvin Cook more involved in the running game. Seattle's trying to get back to the running game with Chris Carson heading the committee, but also he expects Mike Davis and Rashad Penny to get some snaps tonight. Both teams are number two in the, both teams are number two in their division. Vikings have some injury issues in the secondary. Trey Wayans has been ruled out for the Vikings tonight, and hoping that Xavier Rhodes could come off uh, can come off that pitch count so they can ha- that they've had him on since injury. So Vikings they've struggled with. With their their cornerbacks been injured all year. Look, coming into the season, the Vikings had a very impressive secondary. Mike Hughes, the rookie, I thought he was gonna be outstanding. Outstanding player. But he got injured. He's been out for the whole year. Trey Wayans, not healthy right now. Xavier Rhodes on the on the pitch count. But Josh goes on to say Other injuries are that Rashad Penny is questionable, as is Doug Baldwin, but both are expected to play for Seattle tonight. I thought this would, me personally speaking, I thought this would be a tough year for Doug Baldwin, as he expected his foot would be an issue all year long. Uh, Josh goes on to analyze and give some talk about how how Seattle right now has the ninth-ranked overall defense coming in with nine team interceptions, and they're 14th against the run game. The Vikings are eighth against the pass. But twenty, but twenty fourth against the run, another another example probably of a one trick pony. Teams can rush the passer, but can you stop the run? So if so, Josh goes on to say, if the Seahawks can get the running game going on offense, that is going to be their key to victory, and what's going to help their chances. Uh, he th- he thinks for the Vikings, Adam Thielen has to be a big part of the game tonight. But at, but at, as he mentioned earlier, the hope for for Minnesota is for Dalvin Cook to lead the charge in this game. He 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 says that if Minnesota wins, they'll stay in the hunt, um, and and if Seattle wins, they'll keep a hold on the wild card spot. We'll see we'll, we'll see what happens tonight. Um, Josh, I appreciate you, and I appreciate all the writers from PickskinNut.com, Pigskin Nut, For those that are crazy about football, this is Steve the Scout. You can follow me on Twitter at Steve the Scout81, the Pro Football Scouting Podcast on Facebook. Uh, and for and pickskinnut.com, it is live now, but it is still under construction. So bear with us as we finish that. Again, Steve the Scout with the Pro Football Scouting Podcast signing off.